This week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast is brought to you by the patrons of the Rural Woman Podcast. This amazing group of individuals contribute financially to the Rural Woman Podcast to ensure the stories of women in agriculture hit your earbuds each and every week. Want to join them in supporting the stories of women in agriculture while getting access to extended episodes, patron-only episodes, and other great perks? Head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more about how you can become a patron through Patreon. Hi, I'm Caitlin Dubin, and this is the Rural Woman Podcast. I'm a first-generation farmer who married into agriculture. Born and raised in a city, I was so unfamiliar with where my food came from, but I was determined to figure it out. Through my journey into agriculture, I saw women who were strong but humble, often taking a back seat. To me, these women were leaders who deserved a seat at the table. I created the Rural Woman Podcast to share the voices of women in an industry whose stories often went untold. The rural entrepreneurs who live and breathe their work, full of grit and pride. We come here to share our stories, to be in community with each other, to be challenged and inspired, but most importantly, to be celebrated and to be heard. We may not all live, farm, ranch, or homestead the same, but we are all connected. We are rural women, and our stories are worthy of being told. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. Today, you'll meet Kylie Gray Eilers. Kylie is the owner and founder of Gray Girl Farms, a first-generation flower bulb farm in Royal City, Washington. As a fourth-generation farm girl who didn't have a chance to return to the family farm, Kylie always dreamed about raising her kids in agriculture just like she was. She often speaks on the power of an idea and the reality of that one idea changing your entire life if you let it. Kylie believes that small farms can be profitable, but it takes thinking outside the box and being willing to try something different. I am very excited for you to get to meet Kylie today and hear all about how she turned her one idea into the reality that she lives now on Grey Girl Farms. Without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's episode with Kylie. Kylie, welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast. How are you today? I'm great. I have had a few run-ins with the little mice this morning in my office. So I, other than the mouse, things are going well. <laughs> we, the special guest of the mouse in your office today was uh, not necessarily uh, a Invited. welcome guest. No. <laughs> This is the rural woman podcast, not the rural mouse podcast. We are we already know we live rural and there's mice everywhere. We get it. We don't need you to hop up in the office to give us first class seats. No, I have to tell you, I've been doing this close to five years now, and I've kind of heard everything. There's usually like roosters in the background, or there's kids (laughs) screaming, or there's equipment driving past, any of those things. I think this is the first mouse to make its appearance on the podcast. So glad glad we could do that for you. 
<laughs> Kylie, for the folks who are unfamiliar with you, give us your background. Tell us who you are and how the heck you got your start in agriculture. Okay. Uh, so for those who are not familiar with me or just uh, tuning in today, my name is Kylie Gray-Eilers. I am the owner here at Gray Girl Farms. I grew up a fourth generation farm girl and my family has been involved in agriculture for over a hundred years, something I find really amazing and really passionate about. I didn't have the opportunity to farm with my uh, family. My dad retired when I was in high school from farming. And then I always have known that I wanted to work in agriculture. And so I've worked in agriculture all my life. Uh, I went to school for agriculture business and worked in a wide variety of like seed sales, production seed jobs. And right in my earlier years of my professional life, I spent time farming like what people would say normal row crops, like a normal farm, because now I am a flower bulb farm, which is not what you would say a conventional farming crop. And that's what I came from. That's, you know, I live in uh, central Washington and it's the, the Columbia Basin and we have an amazing irrigation setup and it's really um, a pretty amazing place to live as far as agriculture goes. And so I spent years growing corn, like silage corn, alfalfa, beans, field corn, different types of just your normal commodities and really had a hard time as I, I, I consider myself now first generation farm, really having a hard time with basically having, you know, just having enough money and enough capital to making it feasible. And so I kind of, after I think we had our third, I have five kids, my husband and I have five kids. And after we had our third son, I just was like, this is not working. I am, you know, I just kind of like hung my shoes up on it. I was like, this I'm sick of losing money. I'm making money some years, but it's just really not enough to get me ahead. And the gamble just wasn't returning me what we were investing into it. So I quit. My husband and I have worked together all the years we've been together. And so we're heavily related in the construction and agriculture industries and have other businesses that we run. And so I worked in our office and I loved it. And I learned a lot about some of the different construction stuff that we do and really was missing something that was my own. And anyone who I think, you know, you have your kids, people, women go through sometimes an identity crisis after becoming a mom. And at that point I was, let's see, I had three kids. I was pregnant with my fourth. My husband was working on these well, drilling these wells that were taking a long time. And I was home by myself a lot. And I called him one day and said, you know what? I'm going to start a flower bulb farm. And he's like, okay, whatever. Like what prompted this? And I was like, you know, dahlias, they're the same put there. So what I got my idea from was that dahlias are the same family as potatoes and they're related. And I had background in that. And I told him, if I can grow these flower bulbs, like take what, what I know how to do from growing potatoes and lay it over into growing dahlias, I think I can be really successful at it. And probably at that point in time, my husband, Cole, whom we call Daddy Cole around our house, he probably would have said yes to anything that made me stop crying. So <laughs> I was like knee deep in postpartum depression. I was exhausted from a lot of little kids. And he was like, you know what? She's crazy. So I'm just going to do whatever that's going to make her happy. So Cole went along with it and he was like, you know what? Go for it. And I had always been an avid gardener for years. I've loved, I spent my childhood working in my parents' lot or, you know, my parents' yard and my mom loved her flowers and loved her yard. 
and I have like very vivid memories of doing that with her. So in the time, in the years that my kids were really little, I spent a time, we still spend a ton of time outside because as long as I stay outside, my kids will stay outside and they won't bother me. That was the key. And so I had kind of, I had always been growing flowers and also dahlias just on a small scale in my landscape, in my yard. And the first year I ordered 200 bulbs and then I planted them out and was very excited. And then I came home one day and they were all dead. And I called my husband like screaming. (laughs) Did you spray out? Did you spray over here? Somebody sprayed my dahlias. They're dead. And he's like, no, I swear I did not. And at the time we were renting our house and our poor landlord, he had sent someone over to take care of some of the uh, property around our house. And they did not realize that those were not weeds and they sprayed them out. So that was how my first year went. And I share with people a lot. The best part of farming or whether it's whatever type of crop is, it is a test of your patience because it takes a long time to be able to start again. So like, you know, it takes a full year. So they had sprayed out my dahlias. And so I had to wait another year and I cried off and on the whole time. I was so sad. I was so bummed out. And I was like, I, it just wasn't meant to be. And my husband was like, again, you're crazy. Just try it, Kylie. And so I did. And except the next year I ordered about 1700 bulbs and then I planted them all out. And that's kind of what snowballed everything going for me. And we did it all by hand. And now we do everything mostly by, you know, mechanical, by tractor. But I had no real resources to do it. And so my poor little brother worked for us at the time. And I always tease him now if he would like to come help me in my flowers. And he's like, hard no. I would not want to come help you in your flowers. Actually, you couldn't pay me. And because we used a post hole digger and that poor guy dug 1700 holes with a post hole digger. (laughs) And that's how we planted the dahlias the first year. And it really has taken off. And year by year, my business model has changed. Uh, You know, it's just always changing. And it has been something that I'm able to interweb into being a mom, which is really important to me. I like to say I'm a full-time mom, full-time entrepreneur, but being both of those lets you be a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And so I'm very grateful for that. I love hearing the beginning stories of these grandiose ideas that I myself have had. This podcast is one of them. Running into the house one day saying, I'm going to start a podcast for women in agriculture. And my husband looked at me like, what? Like, (laughs) do you know how to podcast? Absolutely not. But I'm going to figure it out. Just like you, you know, you've planted potatoes before. You've eaten your potatoes before. How hard can this be? Growing up a fourth generation farmer, and then you had mentioned, you know, going back and essentially being a first generation farmer from when you're starting. I know there's a lot of folks who really hold on to that generation title. And I think you know, as the generations grow, if you if you ever are tasked with the starting over again, it can be really intimidating. Bring us back to that point of where you had to basically start from scratch. You know, I think we live in this world where, I, well, we all know this, it's, most, it's more common than not for people to not continue on what their family has been doing for years. Like, costs of inputs, costs of land, costs of anything. It's really hard for even the best of established farms to stay 
profitable. And in the beginning, I just think that I'm like, man, I was, thank God I was so young and dumb that I just had, I, I didn't have a care in the world other than the fact that I knew what I wanted to do. And, you know, and I knew what it was going to have to take to do it. And I also just had parents who believed in me. I like, I think back and I'm like, I don't know why my mom and dad never were like, Kylie, you should probably write those ideas in. And they never did. And I think that's a huge testament to why I was able to believe in the idea because it really is hard. It's really hard to line up ground to rent everything that at that at the time I was doing, I was leasing all of the ground. I was having to forward contract all of my crops to be able to get a bank loan. And the first year I got a loan, I don't know why the guy loaned to me. I had went to, you know, I had no capital really. I had some, but really not quite enough. And I, I laugh because I'm like, you know, I had probably went to five to seven banks, giving them my spiel. This is what I'm doing. This is that I have the ground lined up and I have all this lined up. I just need you to give me the money. <laughs> Looking back, I like someone really took a chance on me. And in the end, the last year that I grew conventional crops, it didn't end super well. And I ended up owing the money or I ended up owing the bank money. And it was a huge learning curve for me. But I, I think that it was really just a huge portion of what has evolved for me in the past, you know, five years since that has kind of all happened. I uh, think that the longevity of what I was doing wasn't realistic. And I was so caught up you know, in the dreams of what I wanted to do that I wasn't like willing to see that. And I had all these little kids and I knew I just wanted my kids to grow up doing, having a life like my life was. And I wanted them to grow up carefree and I wanted to grow up with them going to work with me every day and all the things. And I was just so fixated on that, that I was willing to do whatever I had to do to get there. And I think that it can be really depressing. You know, when you look at it as like, people are like, more times than not, people have their uh, their family retires from farming. Their family loses the farm. There's not enough room for everyone to come back to the farm. There's so many different certain you know instances of what people's options are. But most people really just want to be. They're like, we just like the childhood that we had. We want to grow up doing what we did. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. And you know, a lot of people. We I think of what I'm doing now is if when I first started doing it people oh kylie and her flowers you know kind of mocking what i was doing fun flower like that's really that's really pretty that's really cool that you're doing that and it has really had a snowball effect and i think that there is a lot of future in the small niche type of categories that no one is doing anything in and i was telling my husband recently i go you know so like cole my husband, his grandparents uh came and settled in the columbia basin and I have my grandparents settled in the central Montana area. And I go, do you think when they settled and where they came to where they came, they just said, hey, I'm going to be a bean farmer. Or do you think they had any experience? Do you think they had, or I, like my grandparents had a dairy farm. Do you think that they were just going to have a dairy and have all this experience? Absolutely not. I don't know why they decided to farm what they farmed. And I don't know what that looked like, but I think it was survival and what was you know going to make money and what was realistic. And so I look at it in comparison to what I'm doing now. And I said, you know, yeah, I uh, I don't think that it's normal that I, you know, people, are, it's not normal where I live for someone to grow flowers on 10 acres 
and make a living at it. And everyone kind of mocks it and laughs at it. But at the end of the day, it's what's paying my bills and it's realistic. And it gives me this outlet that makes me tied to the generations before me of what I was doing. And that in return keeps my children tied to that. And that's, what's really important. And I think for so long, I thought I had to be something that was like this big farm and thousands of acres and, you know, but what I really want is just for me and my children to be tied to the values of what built every generation before us. And so, and that's exactly what it is. It's the values of that generation. And I think it's, you know, as a person who didn't grow up in agriculture, you know, the legacy and the generations, all of those things, I realize the importance of them now more than ever. But I also see it for some folks as a detriment because they hold on to it for dear life. They've done it because this is what their grandparents did and their parents did. And this is what they have to do. But if that model's not working for you for whatever reason, what else could you do that would still tie you back, like you said, to those values, to that work ethic, to the land that you live on or the land that you find that works for you and your family. And, you know, for you to say like the 10 acres that you're able to do this on, there are folks who, you know, have hundreds and hundreds of acres that they can't have a business model that is successful because they think, oh, I need more land or I need to do this. When in reality, you know, people grow food in their windowsill for themselves to eat. And, you know, in larger scales or even as small as three to 10 acres, you can have a viable business. So I think that after COVID, people want to be more disconnected from the hustle and bustle of life and more connected to their roots, if that makes sense. And I think that people really like I live a slow life. Well, I live a fast life, but I live in a slow paced area and a slow paced life. Every, I have my whole life. I grew up in what I thought was a small town and now I live in a very small town and COVID forced people to slow down and people who live in big cities and the hustle and bustle of life really couldn't, you know, had a hard time with that. And so Cause it's, and you've seen this huge influx in, you know, home gardeners, home flower growers, and people that took up gardening as a hobby during COVID. And that has really, which I think is amazing. And it's tying people back to where everything comes from, getting their hands dirty, getting their hands in the dirt and growing something and, you know, seeing the process from start to finish. And uh, that's kind of the end goal here. You know, you, you want people to appreciate what it takes to, you know, like grow their food, grow flowers, the beauty that the flowers bring to your life. And like, I share a lot about how when I started growing dahlias, I was suffering from postpartum depression and it was something I had suffered from before and struggled with. And if you can imagine I having my, all my little kids was just a time of life. It was, there was a lot of crying and my husband and I have started all of our businesses and uh from like the ground up and so we there was a lot of times in the early years of our life and still today that he is gone a lot and that left me with a lot of free time of okay what what do I do to fill that void so basically my saying is you know people have taken this home gardening thing and it fits in so many different areas of people's life 
and people love the beauty the flowers bring. People love the happiness it brings, the seeing it from beginning to end. It's a very fulfilling process. Dahlias are like the gift that keeps giving. I tell people because the more you cut them, the better they grow. And so they are cut and come again flowers. So the more you snip them out there in your field, the more they bloom and they just keep blooming until frost. And so people really love them and it's really fun to share them with people. And uh, I have really loved how it's played out in my life. So you told us about the very first time you unfortunately had your dahlias sprayed out, but then, you know, your first full year of having those 1700 bulbs, take us through that process and I guess how you've grown your business and your business model since then. So yeah, the first time or the first year that I was growing my 1700 bulbs of dahlias, it was a lot of work, still is, but um, we fine-tuned it a lot. And that year I made the majority of my money on cutting the flowers and selling like bouquets of dahlias, beautiful bouquets of dahlias. Uh, And I would drive around from place to place and deliver people their flowers. And I really loved it. And I just wanted to make enough money to pay for what I was doing. So I sold flowers the entire summer that year. And because there, and there's this portion of growing dahlias where you, you know, you, there's an art to it. You grow the flowers and they flower all season long, but then you have to dig them up at the end of the year, depending upon the garden zone you live in. And then you have to be able to learn how to store them also. And I'm like, I had no idea where I was going to store 1700 dahlia bulbs. Definitely didn't think that through when I ordered them. So there was that whole entire portion. And I'm like, well, if I just can make the money back on while selling the cut flowers, if I if I fail miserably at storing them, everything will be okay. I would say like I did like a 50 to 60% fail or 50 60% success rate on storing, 40% kind of failed on that first year. And that first year I kind of start I I built my own website. There's a reason people pay people to do that. And um, I face a wood now. And then I got on Instagram and I was very, very stressed about Instagram and getting and being public with it. You know, there's something to be said for, because your first followers are people who know you, you know, when you start a business and all these things, and most of the time you care about what those people think and you're so nervous. You know, I, I hadn't told anyone what I was doing. Had I ordered 1700 bulbs? Yes. Had I told my best friend? Probably not. I don't really remember at the time, but uh, I remember very vividly telling my sister that I was, had this Instagram and she's like, could you just share the Instagram and move on? She's like, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And so I did. And I think that first year I had grown really without knowing how to create a business online on social media to about, I think I had like around a thousand followers that first thousand to 1200, maybe the first year. And so it was all local people. And so like, while I was selling my flowers, that was really great. And I had this, you know, widespread people that were always ordering every week and then the first year I all, uh, so we dig the, the dahlia bulbs in the fall. And then I have a spring sale where we ship the tubers out to home gardeners. And I was such a testament to the people who care about me or live in my community or loved and supported me. I probably had 60, oh, maybe 80, uh, like local pickup orders for the dahlia bulbs that year because I think my friends were just so nice. They wanted to see me succeed <laughs> or they wanted to try out growing dahlias, air quote, try it because they just were excited for me. And that really got the ball rolling. And so after I kind of realized, okay, I could figure this out. I really set out intentionally 
that next year to grow online on social media. And I knew that I needed to be reaching more people if I was going to grow my business. Like I couldn't be relying on my friends and neighbors for ever. And so uh, I did. And I went to a social, you know, I went to a retreat, I guess. Yeah, that's what you call it. And learned a lot about how to share online. And I met, it was all for, uh, it was for rural women. And I went, it was really so fulfilling. I stay in touch with those girls to this day. With this group of other rural women, I was able to go and you share your story, you know, you share your insight on what you want to do. And you, there was so much value in being in a crowd with these women who all live in the middle of nowhere, who all have these business dreams and ideas. And so that really spearheaded it for me as I went to that retreat and I'm like, I am going to figure out how to do this because I need to be reaching more people and I need to, you know, figure out how to tell my story in a way online that is going to show people what I'm doing. So I did that and I, I learned a lot that, so I, after that, I left the retreat, came back and I was just feeling really excited and really, you know, like ready to hit the ground running. And then I got home and I was like, Oh, back to, you know, you get it, you get stuck in this rut of caring what people think. And I'm like, you, when you put yourself online, you really put yourself out there. What I was worried about back then is like, I had a real go viral recently and people are, people are awful. <laughs> How'd I know then? Or had I known now when I know that I, I probably wouldn't have done it because sometimes you just, you have to get the thickest skin and just be able to ignore people. But I did that and we went ahead and we, uh, like I decided on a certain value or a certain dollar amount of what I was going to use to advertise online, social media, build out a new website. And within doing that, I was able to almost triple, if not quadruple my sales. And so that has been I think that has been the most rewarding or interesting piece for me is that I'm able to run a business from Royal City, Washington, which I don't even know the population, but it's maybe like a thousand people. And it's all from, it's all, you know, it's all shipped and grown here or it's all grown here. And then we ship it out to every last year with every single state in the United States. The little bulbs on my flower farm, such home gardeners in every state across the United States. Years ago, when I was just focused on growing pinto beans to send to a, you know, like CHS or some company to sell them in a bulk commercial way, I didn't even like dream of the idea that you could be selling something direct to consumer and basically cutting out the entire middleman and have your own business at it. Like I had no visual way because nobody is talking about what small farms could do. And I think that like, you know, we talked about earlier is well, the way our grandparents have always done it, the way, you know, we get stuck in this routine of what's, what's always been done. Well, I just don't think that what's always been done is working because we are losing people in agriculture as often, you know, I mean, I don't know how fast, but it's, you know, it's very sad really, because I think that we aren't open to change and big idea, you know, big ideas or ideas that might not be the most conventional. I really think there's a lot of value in social media and selling your or you know selling your business creating a business off of your website you know email marketing and social media i think that the sky's the limit and i know that in my business it's you know what it's been built around and i really think that there's a lot of future in the growth you know that i'm after right now and like you said it's just 
you've been able to expand to the point where, you know, your flowers are being grown in all 50 states. And that's something, like you said, you don't really think of when you're growing in bulk or when you're growing, you know, a commodity that's going anywhere, right? So... Have you been searching for the perfect tool to make 2024 your best year yet? Look no further. We're excited to introduce Navigate 2024, the game changer you've been waiting for, now available in both English and French. Navigate is designed with you in mind, especially if you lead a rural lifestyle. Within the pages of Navigate, you'll find a world of possibilities. It's not just about planning, it's about cultivating gratitude and enriching your life. So what makes Navigate stand out? Picture this, a dedicated section for agriculture enthusiasts, brimming with facts, inventory pages, a garden map, and so much more. It's your key to seamlessly managing your rural lifestyle. But that's not all. In 2024, we've added something special to Navigate, a partnership with the Do More Agriculture Foundation. The gratitude pages are now even more empowering, promoting mental wellness and resilience. Navigate isn't just a planner. It's your partner in bringing clarity and gratitude into your life. It's the perfect gift for yourself or a loved one and a daily reminder that you deserve the best. As a special gift for the Rural Woman podcast listeners, use promo code RURALWOMAN10 to save 10% off your Navigate Planner. That's R-U-R-A-L-W-O-M-E-N 10 to save 10% off your Navigate 2024 Planner. Make 2024 the year that you take control of your life and truly make it remarkable. Get your Navigate Planner today by heading to the link in today's show notes or order your copy of Navigate 2024 by going to allisonweaver.com. Navigate 2024, your guide to a brighter and more organized future. I want to go back to the specifics of dahlias. And I had mentioned to you before we started, I've personally never grown one because the idea of a tuber is very intimidating to me. So for those who are listening, who are like me, who've never grown a dahlia, what are some of your biggest tips and tricks that you can share with us about successfully growing dahlias? My first, and I think what I share the most about online is just to not believe everything you breathe online. You know, like everyone tells you that in every aspect of life, but like when it comes to dahlias, just don't read every, or don't, don't believe everything you read. When you read everything online, they'll say, you have to do this, you have to do that. <laughs> and they're difficult and it's tricky and there's lots of steps you have to follow. What I have found with dahlias is as most stress as you can take away from it, the easier it gets. You don't have to do everything. If you like to, if you were to Google how to grow dahlias, you probably don't have to do 50% of those things that they say to be successful at it. So I just try to make it as simple as possible. And I say that the three things that dahlias need are sun, they're full sunflower. They like a lot of water and to plant them in an area that has well-drained soil. And what that means is basically just that the, like if you were to plant it somewhere or if you were to water it or if it was terrain, that the water wouldn't sub up and kind of puddle basically because if there's too much water they can rot i uh, 
dahlias love full sun. So put them in an area where they're going to receive sun all summer. And really that's as easy as it has to, you know, as e- or like as easy and quick as it, the, as it will be. The tuber portion of it, I also think that people really stress about making it so hard and values are an investment. And so I think that's a lot of the reason why people make it so high stress is, you know, you pay $8.95 or $12.95 for one tuber. And so you really are wanting to take really good care of it, you know, to make it last through the winter and really get that portion of it. But I always tell people, I'm like, I just go buy these dollar store little, it's like little food container. Like it's like a 12 by maybe like a 12 by 10 or 12 by eight little bucket with a little lid on the top. I drill like three holes in the top and I just put some like planting soil, heat moss in with it and put the lid on and put it in an area that can't freeze in the wintertime to store it. And do I have like a hundred percent success rate? No, I don't. But I can live with that because it's not stressful for me. And I'm like, I don't enjoy things and I that are so stressful that you have to like master it and be the best at it and everything. I'm like, that's not fun to me. And so that's just my outlook on it. And I uh, will like with all my followers and my customers, I tell them all the time is I'm like, just don't make it so hard. Take out all the the fluff and just do what's enjoyable. And, you know, I think that everything with everyone wants to be per or everyone wants to be like perfect or amazing at something the first time you try it and gardening is a really great way to remind you that you're going to fail every year. And I think it's like a great life lesson. And like, I have people who will write me and say, this happened and da, 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 and I'm so bummed out. And I'm like, that is just the way gardening goes. And it is like this trial and error mastering method. And that's kind of the beauty of it is it's like you learn as you go and you know what, and sometimes this works for you the next year. Like what works one year might not work the next. And it's really frustrating. But I think that we as a society get so fixated on everything being perfect and just going the right way the first time that people really have forgotten how to suck at something. And I'm not saying you're going to suck, but even like this year I have, I have some certain plants that I'm like, I've grown these for years. Why is this not working? And I'm like, well, that's just, that's just life. And, you know, I need to go back to the drawing board and it really, is a test on my patience and, you know, my own, some of my own personality traits. And like, that's just the way life goes. And we don't have to be the best at everything. Your life's not always going to go exactly the way we want it. And for that reason, I really love gardening and really think that it is a, um, you know, beneficial for people who are willing to try it. Yeah. Well, I, I, I was one of the gardeners of the 2020. I had a smaller garden in 2019 and then grew that, uh, in 2020. And I have to say, you know, gardening and even farming in general is such a humbling experience. Like, like you said, you can do absolutely everything right and everything by the book. And there are factors outside of your control and it can absolutely destroy everything that you've done. But the great thing about it is 99% of the time we get to try again next year and learn from what maybe we did right or wrong, learn what the conditions are in your area. If whatever it is that you're trying is actually going to work or not, but it's basically just a science experiment. And like you said, a test on your patience. If you are going to be able to do this again, see it fail and learn from whatever it was that happened. 
absolutely. I think that I just as you know, I'm just as guilty of it myself. Is you always you want to try a new hobby and you want to be the best at it and you want it to be great, and sometimes that's just you know with it's just not realistic. And like I said, I just think in the world we live in today, it's you know we all are looking for something to fill our extra time and keep us offline. That's one thing I think that people want to be disconnected and they want to spend time outside of nature. And like, I even, uh, people will ask me questions like, you know, you grow these dahlias for a living and I'm still learning. I'm a student. And that's, I think one thing that's so important about gardening and farming is staying a student of what you're learning and being willing to learn and having an opening mind, an open mind. It is really fulfilling to be able to constantly be learning. And I think that just as a person, I think that that's one thing I always, I don't ever want to quit learning or being open to learning new things. So this has really been a uh, way for me to be able to still do that. For sure. Well, and I think as long as you're still learning, I think that, keep, like you said, keeps your mind open. And I honestly think it keeps you young because, yes. you know, you're always learning or trying new things and your brain is always working instead of sitting there and scrolling and scrolling and just filling mindless scrolling. So it's so good. Kylie, what advice do you have for anyone who is looking to start, whether that's just growing a flower for themselves or all the way up to they want to start their own flower farm? Yeah, that's great. I think that my best advice is to just start. I think we get so fixated on having the perfect plan having everything lined up. So it's exactly having a, having everything just perfect. If you want to start a garden, just go buy one tuber and one flower pot and some potted soil and just plant it and move on. It doesn't have to be a perfect Instagram worthy garden. It doesn't have to, for it, it doesn't have to be anything other than what you can get done and what's obtainable to provide you the fulfillment of what those flowers are going to bring. It's really very simple. I have lots of people say, oh, well, I need to get raised garden beds. Oh, well, I need to get this. That's great. I would love raised garden beds too. But my honey-do list for my husband is very long and that <laughs> doesn't hit the high one for me. Uh, so I tell people that a lot, just start. If you are wanting to start a business, whether it's growing, you know, growing flowers, whatever your business is, is I think that you just have to be willing to start. Uh, you know, it's the same advice, but in a different way is what I've learned about business. And it's not just in my flower business. It's in any, anything that we do is that you can always reevaluate and we are constantly reevaluating what works for me today did not work three years ago. What works for me today didn't or what worked two weeks ago doesn't work today. We, and you have to be willing to have an open mind and just be constantly changing and evolving and realize that you have, you have time to change what you're doing and that's okay. It's like, if you launch something and it works great, if you launch something and it doesn't work, that's okay too, because now you know what you can and can't do. And I think that a lot of it is once you're able to take that first step, you'll be able to take more baby steps and those baby steps turn into snowball momentum. And that snowball momentum is what gets you through some of the, you know, the high times and what gets you through some of the low times because business as a flower farmer is sometimes there are really, you know, high, fun, exciting times. And then there's times that are really boring and not very fun. And the growing pains aren't very fun at all. Uh, I've been in, I'm in a season right now where I 
have really been struggling to evaluate, okay, what works for me? What does it? How can I afford employees? How can I do this? Because I've grown to a point where I'm having to take those bigger steps that are scary. But I think that I, when I went to this retreat a few years ago, this girl was like, oh, I have this entire, this, I have this entire idea, everything this, but I'm just waiting for it to be perfect. And my biggest takeaway from that is I like to tell people, I'm like, if I looked at my social media two and a half years ago to today, I wouldn't look actually because it's a bit embarrassing, (laughs) but people liked it. My stuff then they like my stuff now. And the only way to improve or the only thing to, the only way to trial your business and for people to see if they like it is for you just to start and put yourself out there. That's, you know, the perfect life advice for anything is you just have to try it. And, you know, to be honest, you're probably not going to be very good at it to start off. Probably with, gonna you, suck. Know, <laughs> you know, and it's funny, like we have these timelines now, whether it's through social media or whatever it is, looking back on what you did, could it be cringeworthy? I don't know if I would go back and listen to the first number of episodes of this podcast because my editing skills were, you know, a little <laughs> dodgy at best, but, you know, as time goes on, you know, you learn and you grow and you get better at things. And, you know, there are going to be those really hard times that you have to look and you have to look forward and be like, okay, I'm going through this now, but this is going to benefit in this way. And whether that's, you know, through your business or even just through your gardening season or on your farm or whatever it is. So that is all solid pieces of advice for the future flower farmers that are listening here. So Kylie, what are your future plans for Gray Girl Farms? Well, because of my personality, they change daily. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I'm really trying to reel that in in this season of my life. I've always always been a big dreamer. So I always have these big dreams. And then I come home and I take care of my five kids and my husband and I chat and I'm like, man, I am, I'm a little tired. I'm a little more tired than I used to be. So I'm really working on arranging them in. But right now I am really working on, this isn't an exciting one, but right now I am working on what I need to do to make it feasible for my company to hire on one more part-time employee and one full-time employee. This last year with my triple, almost quadrupled sales, I really struggled to be able to fulfill all the orders and have a great customer experience for some of my customers. So I that's one of my big goals this year is just to make my customer experience as best as possible from beginning of order to the middle of it, the customer service, you know, any questions to the fulfillment. I want that to be really a seamless process. Otherwise, I am really, I'm working on becoming a full service, how do you say, a, a full service flower website. So basically I want to be able to grow as many flower bulbs varieties on my farm so that it's kind of a one-stop shop. So this year I'm going to be planting peonies. It's another root type flower. And then I'm going to be growing some hostas is another flower that's a, you know, a kind of a root. And they're all dug the same way I'm digging the flowers now so that people can come to my website and, you know, one-stop shop and be getting a lot of different plants that they're looking for. I'm also really working on education that's outside of my comfort zone, but my customers have been asking for it. And so I'm really trying to master that portion of it. And like you said, is a lot of people are intimidated by dahlias. 
And there's some people who just plant them every year and don't ever dig them up and just like cut their losses and move on and plant new ones the next year. And I have a lot of people telling me, please help us master harvesting dahlias. And so coming up soon for me, that is going to be, I'm going to be having online options and in-person options. Again, it's like one of those things that I'm like, this is so outside of my comfort zone. And so I feel like I'm back at square one telling myself, just take the first step, just take the first step. And I think that we get so caught up in once we take that first step that you might not have, that you're never going to have to do it again. And just because this person has found success, no, that person is me and I'm still really scared and still really learning how to uh, step outside my comfort zone and, you know, challenging myself to do stuff like that. Those are all really exciting things. And like you said, the first step is always the scariest, but I think also it's also the most exciting to see what the potential is after that. So Kylie, it has been lovely getting to chat with you. My last question for you is what is the most rewarding part about being a rural woman for you? Rural women are just built different. And I'm very proud, very, very proud to be a rural woman. And I'm very proud to live amongst the rural women I live with. And I know it's not just in my community. I know it's across the world. And I think it's really special to be a rural woman in business. I think it's special no matter what. If you're, I love to be a rural mom. I love I love to be a rural woman and my friends and I love the way my, my life is because the way we live rural. And, uh, right now I've just been in this like twilight moment where I like, I, I just, I go and I take thousands of orders to my little rural post office and I ship them. And I know my postmaster by name and they're cheering for me and they love, like they're my friends and it's so exciting. And I lived that this spring where I just think you don't get to have that you don't just get to have that wherever you live. And so that is really was really cool for me this year to see that my little tiny corner of the world, which I refer to as God's country, USA, is making enough money to pay for my kids. Every extracurricular activity my kids want to do, all my, you know, the things in my life that I want to do, that it's all coming from just this little tiny corner of rural America. And I think it's special. Rural women are doers they're go-getters and they're gritty. And uh, I just think that the world is a better place because we get to live the way we live. Absolutely. I love that. Rural women are built different. Stitch it on a pillow. Yes, they are. (laughs) (laughs) Kylie, for the folks listening who would like to connect with you after the show, where can they find you online? You can find me online on, um, I'm most active on Instagram uh, so you can find me on Instagram at Grey Girl Farms. And my website is www.graygirlfarms.com. My fall sale of bulbs is open right now. And if you'd like to check that out, we've got lots of peony roots and ranunculus that are beautiful and will give you early spring flowers for next year. And I'm online on TikTok, on Facebook. And that's about it because I'm in my 30s and getting too old to be figuring out every other thing. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. (laughs) Thank you again so much for sharing your story with us. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast. The Rural Woman Podcast is more than just a podcast. We are a community. A huge thank you to the Rural Woman Podcast team, audio editor Max Hofer, and admin support from Kim & Co. Online. 
special thanks to our Patreon executive producers, Sarah Reedner from Happiness by the Acre and Carrie Munven from Laystone Farms. To learn how you can become a Patreon executive producer or other ways to financially support the show, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more. Be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button wherever you listen to the podcast to get the latest episodes directly on your playlist. And if you are loving the show, please be sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that accepts ratings and reviews. You can connect with us on social media at The Rural Woman Podcast and with me at Wild Rose Farmer. One of the best ways you can support the show is by sharing it. Send this episode to a friend or share on your social media. Let's strengthen and amplify the voices of women in agriculture together. Until next time, my friend, keep sharing your story. Are you looking for a dynamic and passionate speaker for your conference or event who can bring harmony to your story? Meet Allison Weaver, a passionate advocate for agriculture and family farming. Through her speaking and workshops, Allison empowers individuals and groups to navigate life's challenges. With a wide range of topics and tools, she can help you be resilient with a clear plan, always reminding you that you are enough. Allison speaks to various groups from agriculture enthusiasts to 4-H clubs and beyond. Reach out to Allison today for speaking packages tailored to your needs. Visit allisonweaver.com to learn more.